Johnny, my friend, I have just eaten a delicious serving of beer, cheese, and pretzels from the handlebar that you got for me. And let's just do everybody listening a favor and tell them if they don't know about the handlebars happy hour. Place is great. Seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get some money off all of their ridiculous amount of draft beers. 28. Super great rotating lineup. Half off bottles of wine, excellent patio, delicious food. It's got everything a growing boy needs. Yeah, again, that's the Handlebar. They're right here in Chico on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street. Check out that happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Get a dollar off all of their draft beers. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. I am Johnny Summers. Great. This week on the show, we're giving you our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's the fifth film in the fabled franchise, which finds aging Indiana Jones confronted by several ghosts from his past and must work alongside at least one of them to secure the fate of the future. But for now, before we get to any of that, Johnny, tell the listeners what we're drinking this week. We are going to be enjoying two beers from Liquid Gravity out of San Luis Obispo, California. Beer number one is called Cooler Than Cool because it's a cold IPA, 6% ABV. And beer number two, Midnight Luau, is a coconut border that's 6.7%. Been a minute since we've done Liquid Gravity, has it not? It seems like it has. It does feel that I way. I drink their beer fairly frequently, though, so it feels oh. like I've always just had a Liquid sure. Gravity beer. If you're listening today on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon. On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which will eventually include spoilers for The Dial of Destiny, so consider this your first of several warnings if you haven't had a chance to see it yet. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30 this afternoon, or on the other hand, you could go see the movie if you haven't yet, and then just listen to the podcast version of our show, which in addition to our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, uh, includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, which is how we end the show each and every week, just catching up with each other. Mm-hmm. To find all that, you're going to go to Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the major podcast platforms. We have released new episodes every Friday since 2016, and that's a long time. So that means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. Right. If you like the show, go take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and definitely let us know if you did that. You can text us to brag or with feedback about the show, whatever you like, at 530-433-0839. Again, the podcast phone number is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, you're going to search Fresh Hops cinema on instagram facebook letterboxd or untapped or just head over to the website freshhopcinema.com got a few bucks to spare want to support our show you can do it by going to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema if you don't know what patreon is i'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining it today you can listen to last week's episode or next week's or the next episode rather um but i do want to shout out a couple things we haven't announced our july bar hang yet it's been a long weekend uh today is wednesday that we're recording on and it was a long weekend because it was um, two birthdays happened on the 4th. America's, mm-hmm. the country, and Jimmy Larkin's, the person, and patron, which is why I'm mentioning it now. Uh, so, Jimmy, happy birthday. Um, hope you had a great 4th. Um, I imagine that you have a similar experience every year that people do whose birthdays are right around Christmas, which is that uh, a lot of attention gets paid to not you mm-hmm. because of um, a larger, though no less important, uh, occasion. Yeah. So Happy birthday, Jimmy. I will say for me, Jimmy's birthday more important 
than Independence Day. I like it. I'm going to say that. I like your style. Thanks, man. Um, and then and then since we are off the air, I'm going to say this at least once. Johnny, it's your birthday. That's, That's right. why we are going to be off the air. You're getting where? You want to tell me where you're going? You want to uh, leave it a surprise? I'll be up in Portland. Right. So you're getting out of Dodge for a minute. Uh, your birthday is the 12th for mm-hmm. anyone keeping track. So happy birthday in advance, my friend. It is the only time I will say it to you where people can hear me saying it on the podcast. So happy <laughs> birthday in advance. Well, thank you. Um, and then let's get, I think that's probably all of our Patreon news. Um, I had the idea of doing like a um, like a ranking of the Indiana Jones movies for a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. But I think I've just worked that into our danger zone for today. So Good um, nothing new in, in people's Patreons feed yet, but look out for our July bar hang, which will be coming your way soon. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into uh, let's get into beers, man. You said it always feels like liquid gravity has been fresh on your lips, not mm-hmm. your words. Similar though, yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with them. Why? Uh, give me kind of your history with this brewery. Um, I first they first got onto my radar a couple years ago when we did them on the show where they started getting canned distro. You started seeing them around, and then they're they're popping up fairly frequently now at some of the beer bars around Chico that we both frequent. Sure. Uh, so been seeing them a lot there. Been getting to try the fresh, brand new, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good good stuff. stuff on here. And uh, yeah, so they've been been on my radar fairly frequently. They've been cranking out some good stuff. I've really enjoyed a lot of their hoppy. IPAs and, and some stuff they've been doing. So. Cool. So like we said, this first beer is called Cooler Than Cool. Johnny, you said it's a cold IPA. It's 6%. Um, we'll talk about, for those that are unfamiliar, we'll talk about what a cold IPA is in a minute here. Um, but first, here's what the can looks like. It's a it's a green wraparound label can on a 16-ounce um, traditional aluminum can, of course. And there's a fella in a tux with a fedora and a bow tie stepping away from a microphone stand with his uh, right leg behind his left as it crosses over. He's doing a cool dance move. There's a band jamming in the background. And I'm guessing this is a reference to the music video. And I, although I, th- I don't think Andre 3000 has a hat on in that video, or does he? He might, I don't know. That's gotta be it, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that is also um, bolstered by the green. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I think of the name of that song right now? Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah by Outcast. I think that must be what it is. Um, and that's what we're drinking. So. Johnny Summers, um, we'll get our initial impressions, then maybe we'll talk a little bit about, about what a cold IPA is. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the beer so far? Man, it smells good right off the bat. It's got that new school IPA smell to it, mm. where it's like you're getting a bunch of hops, but it also tastes floral, bright, fruity, a little juicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you smell it. I'm anticipating it to be pretty well balanced and probably pretty tasty, and sure. I took a drink and it's very tasty. It is very light. For me, it's like first thing I noticed was the carbonation. It is super zippy and yeah, bubbly with yeah, the carbonation. Uh, need that to chill out for just <laughs> a sec. Let's relax a little bit. But flavor-wise, very strong hot presence, very, very juicy on the back end, but with that nice front hot presence. Really light, though. Like yes. it finishes almost like a, a lager or a pilsner. Very light and fluffy, and it just disappears on the palate. Yeah, it's it's super good. There, There's a hoppiness there that doesn't quite have the same um, – I mean, like the bitterness is there from a traditional West Coast, but you don't get any of like the fruity stuff that you might get in um in a in a more East leaning West Coast certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, a ton of brightness, like you said. It's only six percent. It's not an uh, incredibly strong beer, um, and it feels really light. Yeah, it feels very crisp. Um, ton of carbonation. I agree. Um, I don't mind that so much, but it is very very effervescent. So um, if you're averse to that sort of thing, maybe beware of this one. But it I makes think, my mouth tingle. Yeah, overall, first impression is is very good from from me. No, it's solid. So a cold IPA, um, the essential difference comes down to the yeast that is used in a, in a traditional IPA versus a cold IPA. Basically, the very short version of this is that cold IPAs use lager yeasts 
instead of yeasts that are used with IPAs, which essentially um, are bottom fermenting yeasts versus top fermenting, and they ferment at colder temperatures. Um, this has a whole bunch of different effects on the flavor of the beer, um, essentially going for a beer that is a little bit more akin to a lager when it comes to the drinking experience, mostly in body and mouthfeel, but also um, some contributing factors come from uh, or, or lend themselves to the flavor as well. Nice. Um, I know we've done a couple cold IPAs mm-hmm. on the show, and I should have looked into this before we started, but was the Green Cheek beer ain't getting any deader? No, that was a California IPA, wasn't it? Yep. Shoot. I think we did one from Urban Roots that was a, a cold IPA. If that I'm not sounds probably right. It, it's a fairly new niche style mm-hmm. um, to the point that I think certainly a lot of people haven't heard of it. Um, and I'm not even sure if it's recognized as a style in in uh, official um, beer documentation. And yeah. stuff. I don't think it is yet. I don't know. I might do a little bit more digging as we discuss this um, to kind of find out when the first ones came about. Because I'd be willing to bet it's in the last six years. Oh, easily. I would say it's within the last like two or three. All right. Let's, let's go in for another, another round of tasting here, man. I want to look for anything that isn't, isn't good. Um, and that can be objective or subjective, whichever you prefer. I'm guessing it'll lean towards subjective because overall this is feeling like a pretty well-made beer, like it or don't like it. Not going to lie. It doesn't taste as fresh as it could be. Yeah. I was looking at the bottom of the can and I'm not as um, wise on this as I should be, but, um, for anybody who knows, and you can rewind or fast forward to our phone number again, but um, what it says on the bottom of the can is 87CTC019, which I'm sure is some form. It might be Julian dating, but I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it is. It could also be a proprietary dating system that the brewer uses, though why, if that's the case? Secrets. Um, we can also reach out to Liquid Gravity and we can be like, yeah, what's the, what's, what's the, this mean? decipher this code. We already yeah. watched Indiana Jones. We don't need to be doing this right now. No, I don't have time. Um, okay, so, it's, so it, 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 why doesn't it taste fresh? Uh, it's got a just the slightest bit of uh, the wet cardboard flavor coming in right at the very front. Okay. Um, and that's just usually indicative of an IPA that's just gotten a little bit older. I mean, it's not prevalent enough to say that this is ruined or bad or too old or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's it's creeping in. You can tell that it's 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 just barely there. Man, if I if 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 I wanted to agree with you today, which most days I do, I could find that. I could go fishing for it and I could feel the slightest tug on my <laughs> My rod. <laughs> um, but I'd have to be told that. I wasn't going to pick that out of my, my okay. own. I think that it does skew kind of sweet, mm. which surprises me. And not not the whole time, but right on that. the end. Yeah. It leaves you with kind of a heavy sweetness on the back of the tongue. which almost Pilsnery. Yeah, kind of. that the, the sort of bread characteristics of that, or the yeast characteristics, really. Um, and I think that works against what the bright, zippy hoppiness is doing. So for me, there's a little bit of a uh, uh, palate dissonance there that that isn't mm. quite working. I could see that. Yeah, it, it does finish super light, which I like. I think that would be my only well, gri- gripe. I think we're saying opposite things, and I'm saying it finishes heavy. Oh, like it weighs heavy with the sweetness on the back. It's a little sweet, but the like the body and like the overall finish for me is is fairly light. The body the body finish is light for sure. The flavor finish is heavy. Yeah, I think that's what I mean when I'm saying makes like the tongue kind of conflicting. Makes the tongue feel a little thick. Yeah. Um, just to close this loop too, um, do you want to take any guesses, by the way, on the first brewery to make a cold IPA? I'll tell you, it's a it's a brewery on the West Coast. It's one that we've done on the show at least twice. Hmm. Um, and I can, it's it's one of these three states that we, if ever, I don't know if people know this, if you're not in our area, it's California, Oregon, Washington. You should know that, people. Is it Von Ebert? It's not Von Ebert. It is farther north than that. It's not in California. Is Von Neither. Ebert not in California? Nope. Oh, is it not? No, it's Where, in Oregon. It is in Oregon. I'm going there next week. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's even 
in Portland. It's a Portland-based brewery, and the cold IPA was invented between 2017 and 2018. Is it Wayfair? No, you know better than that. You were going to say it. Try to say one more thing. You were very close. You was just it? changed the end of it. Way, what's it? That Wayfinder. Beer? Wayfinder. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, yeah, we've done that beer. Uh, or maybe that's the one I I'm think thinking I think we of. have. It's totally possible. Um, there's a whole backstory here, but they, they called it their cold IPA, and it uh, debuted to the public in October of 2018. Um, and it was called Relapse, which is, now that I say that out loud, 100% the beer we did on the show. Yeah, I'm yeah. seeing the can. Yeah. Uh, remind, can I see, or just tell me what it looks like, I guess. Uh, big silver can. It's got sure. the circle with the yellow. I'm pulling up a bigger picture. All right. Um, yep, he's turning his computer. This is riveting radio. Love it, love it. I totally remember that can, kind of. Yep. So, great. Um, I don't know if we liked it, but we can look that up. We did like it. We got it at SNS. I remember. Nice. Being stoked on it because they're a brewery that I've been into from Portland. Good old Wayfair. Yeah, man. Wayfinder. Wayfinder. Maybe I'll go there. Get <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, get a Wayfair well. shirt. Sure, dude. Get a. Well, you should get more of these beers. What you could isn't, do while you're there next week. Isn't Wayfair like a like a Wish.com yeah, style? It's like a it's like a Crate and Barrel. Like get some knockoff. That's what it is. It's like yeah. It's like it's like um, warehouse overstock. Like overstock.com. It's I remember like that. that one. Yeah. Um, neither here nor there. Uh, so Way were they the fair? Were they the first ones? Wayfair. Yeah. Wayfinder. Yes. Yes. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So, tw- yeah, 2018, that beer relapse came to the American public. So, we're talking, yeah, five years ago. Nice. Or four and a half. Nice. They're trendsetters because you're starting to see them pop up. Yeah. I think I think the closest beer stylistically to this, obviously, the one you'd reach for in your brain is probably an IPA. Um, but I think what might be more akin to what we're drinking is like an IPL, an India Pale Lager. Mm-hmm. Um a style that came and went, seemingly. Is it not around so much anymore? I don't think I haven't seen anyone make it. It was like every brewery had one for a minute, mm-hmm. and then now it's no. Or like a hoppy lager. Those are more prominent still. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's a quote here um, from someone who I'll tell you in a moment. Let me read you the quote first. And it's comparing the the styles of an IPL versus a cold IPA. And he says this, a lot of people think that a cold IPA is an IPL, but it's not. Uh, in my mind, an IPL is is like making an IPA into a lager, and that's not really what it is. To me, it's like taking a West Coast IPA and making it more West Coast by showcasing the hops and having a really crispy grain bill also. Okay. Which I think sounds about right. Yeah. Um, for at least what we have tried in this glass and uh, in Relapse. I think so, too. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's give it a rating out of 10, unless you got something else you want to talk about with this baby. I don't with this one. With this no. baby, baby. I think it's it's crispy. It's drinkable. It's crushable. I like it. I wouldn't maybe buy a bunch of it, but mm-hmm. I would definitely buy another can. Um, it feels solidly in like the the. Mm, I'm gonna give this like a. It feels like a six two. Okay, that seems fair. To close this loop, also, um, that quote was from Lauren Hughes, who is the head brewer at Necromancer, um, who also did an IPA called Cold Feet. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I think the other distinguishing factor that I wanted to point out is that um, I uh, cold IPAs typically have a higher alcohol content than an IPL would, which is typically more sense. of like a five to six and, um, you know, may- maybe high fours, low sixes. And this mm. is six and above usually. Okay. Um, you said 6.2 for this beer? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to take one more sip if uh, you don't mind filling the amount of time it takes me to do that. I don't mind. I think it's very approachable. It's nice, but yeah, there's the, it's just, it's an odd mishmash of styles. Like it's got a IPA front, a lagery middle, and then like an IPA back. And then an old IPA back. Yeah. 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 For me, it's a, it's a five, I think. It's fine. It's good. It's yeah. fine. 
Um, don't dislike it. Certainly, I'll keep drinking it. Yeah. No, exactly. Like if I ordered a pint of this at a bar, I would not be out. No. You know, put out. No, you're no, totally fine. I'm not going to battle lash at that. No, it's a solid beer. Though there's a price point where you're like, okay, hang on. There's some beers where you're like, I don't care what I'm paying. This is so good. Mm-hmm. Or I don't care what I'm paying. This is terrible. Not going to be worth it. Correct. All right. Um, Johnny Summers, anything else on Cooler Than Cool? I think it's another solid offering from Liquid Gravity. Everything I've had from them has been at the very least above average, which sure. for a brewery to do that, be consistently above average, it's hard enough for most breweries to be good or average, okay. uh, striving for mediocrity. So sure. I would say that this is a good example of another one of their beers that's definitely above average. All right. For the liquid in the can and the art on the can, are you, sir, going to – is the, is the label going to make the table? No. Not even close. Not even close. All right. No, it does not spark a joy. Please don't let me forget that expression because I really want to start saying Label that. make the table? Does the label make the table? It's not table worthy. It's not. She's no. not. He's not table worthy, this Jerry. Is a, uh, this, is a, this is a tangent mostly for you and me. But to be table worthy, does, can, can a beer be so bad taste-wise that, but the label be cool enough that you would put it on your side of the table or no? i put it on the bottom of the table. So you wouldn't even see it? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Because I could see it if I really wanted to, if the label was that cool. Okay. I could crawl into there All and right, look fine. at it. <laughs> but no, I think that the table is is reserved for beers of a very Tastes high good. caliber. It's, it's awesome art. It's the ring of, of trust. I agree. It's like, it's our sacred space. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've tried Cooler Than Cool and think we got it wrong or know that we obviously got it right, get in touch and let us know. You can leave a voicemail or send a text to, ready? 530 Four three three zero eight three nine. We really love feedback. Again, our podcast phone number is five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. Don't know when you're listening to this, but no matter when you send that text, we're gonna get it. We're gonna respond. So say hi. Uh, and if you really do like the show, help us out. Leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds. It's one of the most effective ways to get us in front of your friends that might like us. You know, it's we got to get the word out, people. Everyone's got to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next is a trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. If you haven't seen it yet, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment. Uh, so just stay seated wherever you're at. And if you're not seated, sit down. I'm retiring. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. We need to get out of here. Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your seatbelt. There might be some tablets. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indiana Jones. A few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. Been shot nine times. 
put once by your father. Ah, sorry. But I've been looking for this all my life. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. It's the freshest and hoppiest show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold that's available exclusively to podcast listeners that comes at the end of the show. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, please go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you download podcasts from. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough and you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, uh, you're just going to need to go download the podcast and have a listen. Aging adventure Indiana Jones Harrison Ford, of course, and his goddaughter, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, embark on a high-stakes race against time to secure a legendary dial with world-altering potential as old adversaries resurface. Indy must reclaim his role, battling familiar evil, it's Nazis, to safeguard the ancient artifact from falling into those malevolent Nazi hands. Uh, this film was directed by James Mangold with a script from Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, David Cope, and James Mangold. Um, the only person that I'm going to mention now that I didn't already mention is Mads Mikkelsen, mm -hmm. um, who plays a, an early on Nazi adversary. Um, the movie starts with a big flashback on a train. Probably not the only time we'll talk about this train sequence, but that is how it starts. And then we jump forward in time. Um, after this particular relic, part of this dial has been lost from the train and Indiana Jones is um, in the twilight years of his teaching uh, at the university. He's clearly um, lost some of his spark and he is approached by Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, um, a daughter of his old colleague played by Toby Jones, and she asks him, yo, what about this dial? I think we should do it. We should find it. Adventures ensue. Uh, it's a two and a half hour movie. It was released to Cannes back in May and then hit wide release in the States on June 30th, just uh, just under a week ago for us. Am I missing something, Johnny? You look like you're pondering, feeling. You gave me one of these. What's this about? Did it, uh, four. It four took what? four people to write this movie. Oh, is that what you're going for? Yeah. Four. Um, it is the fifth and final film in this franchise. Allegedly. A lot of Fs today. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been, so there's like so many moving pieces. There's like Lucasfilm and um, uh, the other big one that I'm missing. Um Disney? Disney. Um, this is it. It's certainly it. I, like, I'm not ruling out TV spinoffs, but I'm ruling out Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in future feature-length films. We'll see. In the flesh. Yeah, Who knows right. what they'll do with his, you know, his persona after he <sighs> dies and it becomes, um, I was going to say free range. What do you call it when, uh, when it becomes public domain? Free range. Free range What is Jones. he, a chicken? Okay, Johnny, um, your thoughts on that? Well, it's, a, it's such... A franchise movie is always tough to to not start with. What is your relationship to the franchise? Okay. So let's start with that. What well, is your relationship to the Indiana Jones franchise? Well, there's a lot of nostalgia there. I've got a, a deep, deep soft spot in my heart for The Last Crusade as well as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Two of like probably my all-time favorite movies. They are fantastic. They got me into a lot of other movies and, and they're just – they're so good – they're so nostalgic that like even though they're a little imperfect, they're still perfect in my eyes. Right. So I have a lot of nostalgia right. wrapped okay. up in them. So that's that's what I'm going into this with. Okay, let me point this out then for people that maybe don't know the dates off the top of their head. This is a franchise from the 80s, right? So Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981. Three years later, Temple of Doom, um, very much criticized for being really dark, but one of my favorites of them. Mm -hmm. um, 1989, you get The Last Crusade. Then nothing. 
until 2008 when they reboot it, still with Harrison Ford, and you get Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull um, with Shia LaBeouf, who we should clarify is his son because that comes into play in this movie. In the movie, not in real life. Not in real life. Fair enough. Um, also, it's the first time I took a date to a movie. I was in high school. I was a, um, a sophomore in high school, uh, and it was a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, very much turned me off to film for a while. Um, Did you raid her Lost Ark? No, dude, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Um, so that was that. And then, and now we get in 2023, this movie. So those are the five films. Yes. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because it sucked. Nobody nobody liked it. No. Because um, it no. wasn't very good. So I've, yeah. Like you said, or like I said, yes. like you asked, tons of nostalgia with at least two of these movies. Yes. Um, for me, uh, Temple of Doom, distant third out of the, okay. the first three. Okay. But anyways. Sure. This um, movie. Sure. Okay, give me a second, because I also like these movies. I rewatched, um, I think the last one I saw in chronological order recently, going in the past, the worst way I could have said What? That. Most recently, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I okay. rewatched it like a few months ago, not in anticipation of this. Just because. I just saw it on a streaming service. I was like, you know what? That'd be, that'd be a fun movie to watch. Yep. And that's what these movies are to me, and I think a lot of people. They're mm -hmm. a fun, adventurous, quick-witted escape from reality, and you get to follow this larger-than-life character, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we both have a lot of love for the franchise. Yep. What did you think of The Dial of Destiny? So yeah, Indiana Jones movies. They are nostalgic. There's, there's a ton of love tied up. I know. You have to ask yourself, has this movie, this franchise, this character, has this moment in the sun passed? Was there a time period where Indiana Jones as an action movie hero was the best thing in the world? And that is now past. Uh, I found myself asking that watching this movie because we live in a world of of John Wicks and mm -hmm. transporters and Hobbs and Shaws and all of the action movies that have come and probably you know stood on the shoulders of the Goliath that is Indiana Jones mm -hmm. because this was a, a bar that was set very high for action adventure films. I mean, I think to Oh, National Treasure wouldn't be made without Indiana Jones, right? 100%. I think yeah. about the one, um, oh, we just watched it with Tom Holland. Uh, Uncharted. Uncharted. Yep. Uncharted is an entire franchise of video game series that, if you've ever played it, loosely based on Indiana Jones. 100%. There's no escaping that. So, uh, yeah. Indiana Jones has crept into the lore and essentially is a part of Americana at this point. Sure. He shapes the fabric of society and pop culture in a lot of ways. Yeah. You see that. Huge. So, hugely influential. Hugely influential. Disneyland rides. Yes. Uh, so the, the question that I found myself asking was, is this movie something that needs to exist in the year 2023? Um, Just to be clear, the, the movie or the character? Both. Okay. Uh, the movie and the character are synonymous because it's still styled in the same way, right? There's car chases in every Indiana Jones movie. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. all basically the same. At some yeah. point, yeah, yeah. they're going to match speeds and something's going to happen between vehicles. <laughs> or there's sure. going to be a, a, a really big guy and he's going to have a whip. Then there's going to be a gun. Like There's yeah. certain things that Indiana Jones movies have to check off, right? And there always is. So... The style of movie that this is feel, feels like it hasn't really pushed forward in any way. Okay. It's still very stylized in the same way of, of the 80s. I think that really went off the rails with the Kingdom, the Crystal Skull, but we're not going to talk about that movie. But you're right. I mean, that that is a case towards what you're talking about. It's the opposite of what you're saying. It's like they did try to go a different direction. They did. 
all I remember is what we talked about briefly before we hit record was like aliens. There were like aliens mm-hmm. of some kind. Yeah. So you have this movie now where you have to buy into the fact that 70-something-year-old Harrison Ford is still able to take on a pack of wild Nazis barehanded with nothing but a whip. There's yep. there's definitely a, a suspension of disbelief that's more ingrained in this film with him at that age than there was obviously back in the 80s. I don't think that this movie holds up in the cinematic landscape of 2023. I don't think it has evolved in a way that makes it palatable. I think it is something that has stayed the same in like I would love to see it progress in a way with the times and action movies that make it feel more relevant. And I don't know if that's possible with a man of his age. Again, when you're putting it against like the John Wicks of the world, stuff like that. But I don't see it sitting in in the action movie cinematic landscape of this day and age and holding up. To me, the whole time I was watching this, I just felt like this doesn't hold up. The writing was weak. took four people to write this script. You could have told me a half a person wrote this script. I was very disappointed. So overall, it was a big miss for me. I was very disappointed. It felt like it was kind of... There were moments that were fantastic. We spoke briefly, and we'll get into it, about moments that we really enjoyed in this film. Um, But overall, it felt like it was just trying to grasp the nostalgia and the style that it once had and fit it into the same cookie cutter. And it just didn't land for me. Out of 10. It's one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Are you kidding? No. No, dude. I absolutely hated it. Oh, that's all right. Out of ten, two two. That's so off base. That's just that's insulting. All right. Um, well, it's better than that, if you ask me. Um, I think a lot of the points you're talking about um, are hitting on things that I feel to different degrees than you, and I think with more specific issues than you're addressing, um, which I'll talk about in a minute here. But I, for me, like it's it's. I think there's such a great place for movies like this. It's I think it's better than Uncharted. Um, which maybe that is the way that was going to go no matter what, because Uncharted is essentially a, an echo of this. Like you said, it's, it's derivative to a huge extent and you like a person like Mark Wahlberg doesn't carry the same as charismatic as he is, doesn't do the Harrison Ford thing in Harrison Ford's prime. Um, I think this movie is above average in terms of. 2023 movies. Certainly, I don't think it's near the worst movies I've seen this year. I could go back and double check, but um, that's just my gut feeling. Um, it's like a solid. It's like a solid five for me. It's like so right those, down the middle. Those. That was all the thoughts you had. Well, no, I just you know we're gonna at some point um, to keep our show on track. Gonna go to the danger zone, so I wanted to give my brief thoughts um, and then a rating, and then kind of expound on what you're talking about because a lot of your thoughts overlap with mine. Um, and I think what I'm hearing from you is that there's there's these two conflicting parts. There's there's the has has the Indiana Jones character as portrayed by Harrison Ford. Is that character and actor's time passed? And if so, is the movie handling it properly? Or if not, is the movie handling it properly? And two, is the type of movie that this is, the over-the-top action adventure movie that is essentially repeating all the same themes from the 80s, has that time passed? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I have thoughts on both, but I do too. Um those are the two real – that's the Venn diagram of this movie. So let's start with character stuff. Yes. Um, I think there are some great examples of films that have been made where the film is aware that the character's time has passed. 
And there's a really, really poetic passing of the torch that happens. The mm-hmm. one that jumps to mind for me is Wolverine in Logan. Yep. Um, 2018, maybe. God, um, I love that movie. Great movie. Um, might be the same director. I think it might have been James Mangold. Um, but if you could fact check me, that would be great. That movie is very much aware that both Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and the character of Wolverine in his uh, in, in the story that has been told about him in the X-Men films is is gone. Like that's the end of the line. And it handles that in a way that allows the audience and the character to have some really cathartic closure by the end of that movie. Mm. Um, so regardless of how this movie ends, which we'll talk about later, I think it can be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way of doing it. I also think the same is true of Harrison Ford's character in um, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. There's some great closure there. So I think it can be done. There's, mm-hmm. there's a way for a movie to be aware of this thing and not beating a character to death, yeah. I would argue, like a John Wick situation. Yeah. I do not think those movies handle that particularly well. Um, so in, in that camp, I, I give points to this. What do you think? Well, I think that was what they were attempting to do clumsily and very poorly in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with Shia LaBeouf's character, he sure. was supposed to be the next Indiana Jones. Is that what was going on? Yes. That was all the news, all the articles, all the interviews. It's the passing of the Torch movie. Right. And it was handled so clumsily and awkwardly. And, you know, I love Shia LaBeouf as an actor, but he does not have that Harrison Ford charisma thing no. from the 80s. So I think that the fact that he is this old and they tried to maintain him as this character without mm-hmm. that passing of the torch, mm-hmm. they should have attempted it again. There there has to be. Well, they be. did, I think. I think they're counting on most of us forgetting that movie or like like not caring because so, they write off the Shia LaBeouf character. Correct, but there's no passing it. of the torch in this movie is what I'm saying. Unless you're I, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's I, character. I think 100% Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. All right. That's what it felt like to me because like she – Beat for beat, like she's the young, inspired kind of let's go out and seize the world. Like, you used to be so about adventure, Indy. Now we can do it again. He's like, I don't know, I'm bad. You know? Yeah. And that pet name stuff, I did, like, that was immediately, that was like, rough. we don't have the backstory. No. You can't just start doing that. No. Um, but yeah, I think to your point, they, they clumsily throw out like Shia LaBeouf died, mm-hmm. like in the war. Yeah. And they said, whatever. So that character doesn't matter anymore. Yep. So fine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then, as far as the themes of the movie, the structure of the movie, the 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 beat by beat plot stuff, mm-hmm. nothing super surprising, except for the stuff that is where like like Fast and Furious movies went to space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this movie goes somewhere that other movies of this genre have not. Yeah, which is fun. We can talk about that in spoilers, but I think for the most part, good guy has a thing, bad guy wants thing, bad guy gets thing, Cat good guy mouse. gets it back. All the holds the whole movie. It's a yep. MacGuffin movie. That's what these movies are. Yeah. Uh, so then my thought is. Why would they make another movie exactly like the ones from the 80s and not change much and then have it not be as good or as well written and then expect us to enjoy it the same? Here's why. Because it is just as well written as those movies. You just don't have nostalgia for it. If you watch those, if you show anybody Indiana Jones that's never watched them, they don't land the same. They're, it's cheesy. It's goofy. Um, some of the stuff that that is different here is that there's not as much practical effects in this one. They do a pretty good job mm-hmm. until it, they just completely go CGI yeah. and the way the movie starts with the Uncanny Valley stuff with his de-aging. Mm. Really, really tough. That was rough. Really bad. Um, and that sequence went on way too long. Way too long. It was like the first maybe 25 minutes of the movie. Uh, yeah. Two and a half hour movie, so a lot to bite off anyways, but a little bit too long. I didn't need that almost at all. 
Yeah. And it just felt like Lucasfilm being like, look what we can do with our de-aging technology. We're in this really weird time in technology where like some movies are just like showing off, but it's not really that cool, but it's yeah. the coolest thing we have. So like, it's amazing. Use it tastefully. And yeah. it's like, it's a new medium. It shouldn't be showcased in a way that doesn't no. enhance a film. No, Like it's, it did nothing no. to enhance the movie. No, not at all. No, but I, I, what I would have loved is like the backstory just of like, if we get that whole train series sequence, um, but told in narrative overdub with, with not even overdub, just like a narr narration between, uh, Indy and Wombat. What's the actual character's name? Do you remember? Uh, Helena. Helena. Yeah. What she kept saying, Elena or Helena. Yeah. Uh, which is annoying to me because everyone's like, or maybe it's the other way around. He kept calling her Helena. Everyone's like, Helena, which is the actual name. He's like, Helena. Get over Whatever. here. If like she found him at his office or his lecture hall, and then he's they just sit down, pour a cup of glass of scotch, and he just tells that. I'd watch Harrison Ford tell that story, but I don't need to see de-aged CGI Harrison Ford yeah, living that story. I agree. Uh, and I will say in, in a positive note, sure. uh, I'm a big Phoebe Waller-Bridge fan. I know fan, you are. And I thought she was fantastic in this. Great at this. She was the only saving grace to this movie for me. I felt bad giving it as low a rating as I did. Yeah, yeah. But- she was the saving grace, but and I love Mads Mikkelsen. So on paper, he was good in this movie too. This movie is like I should love it. Yeah, he his whole thing is like Hitler wasn't good enough. He's at smarter his job. than Hitler. Like he's better. Like he's a yeah. better Nazi than Hitler. That's mm -hmm. his whole thing. He's like I can. Oh Which man, is, that Hitler guy is a real dummy. Yeah, I could have. I could have been better. At one point, he tells someone, uh, "You didn't win the war. Hitler lost it." Yeah, like that kind of thing. like a real real narcissist about all the wrong stuff. Um. Okay, I that's I mean that's that's kind of enough for general thoughts. I think. Um, do you recommend people see it if they like Indiana Jones? If you like Indiana Jones, yes. It was tough to watch this with a critical eye mm -hmm. and not see all the 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 downfalls. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again through a lens of more. This is a torch passing moment, yeah. and then I'm gonna be bummed if Phoebe Waller Bridge isn't the next Indiana Jones. There's not. That's my. There's not gonna be any more Indiana Jones. That's, they just closed the loop for us to have no, closure. I'm sorry. No way. I do not believe that. Disney. Uh, yeah. Once they sink their teeth into something that's that true. makes them some money. Yeah. Look at all the Marvel shows that are popping up on Man, Disney Plus. I know. It's so hard to get to the nature documentaries I want to watch on Disney Plus because you got sure. Nick Fury fighting off in <laughs> spy aliens and come on. Um, so, well, so what I was going to ask you then is when is the last time you've seen one of the OG movies? Because I bet it's been a while. Within the last year. Are you serious? Yeah. All right. I watch them fairly regularly. I just watched Last Crusade not that long ago because the dynamic between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in that movie was cinematic mm. perfection. Yeah. Okay. And it's so good. Fair enough. Um are you okay if we move along for now and maybe start thinking about spoiling some stuff? Yes. All right. Well, then once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. And the only reason I'm saying that is because you might be listening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you are listening on the podcast, you know what you're listening to. If you have thoughts, wherever you're listening, on anything we've discussed on the show today so far, please get in touch. Shoot us a text at 530-433-0839 or just send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second to last warning. And don't touch that dial or that touch screen or whatever you're listening on. And we'll be right back with that Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. All right. Welcome to the Danger Zone. We are now officially going to spoil some stuff from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. If you haven't seen it yet, that is your last warning. Time traveling Nazis, right? So, so that's the the final frontier, right? It's like the di that's what the dial of. Can you look up what the dial of destiny is called? It's the the you don't have it of Archimedes. No, it's not. No, it's, it's no. It's like the Acamaphea. 
just look it up. An apocryphon. Um, by the way, it was directed by James Mangold. Logan was. Johnny told me. Yep. So I was right. Fun for me. Um, there's a couple of terms that are thrown around in this movie. Um, and I just want to say them once. And I mostly want to know what this disc is called. Archimedes Dial. Yeah. Yeah. Really? What Into am I thinking the of then? Anti that Kythera. Antikythera. What is that? That's the mechanism. That's the dial, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically what happened is back in the day, Archimedes, and this is like the year, I forget the year, 200 BC or something like that. Dude invents, Archimedes, a real person, by the way, mm -hmm. if you don't know, he invented a machine type dial thing that is essentially a time travel device. He breaks it in two because uh, you can't keep that together. It's too much it was power. technically three because there was the middle part. You're right. Went, it was Oop. three. Yep. Um, so he That was like a, the specter or the, that one started with an S. Uh, three parts. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. know. Um, but they pull a tenet where they break up the algorithm and spread it out, whatever. So he hides it. They have to find it. And then that is why Mads Mikkelsen's character wants to get it because he wants to rewind back to World War II. He's going to fly back into the war. I think kill Hitler, become Hitler, or like the new Führer. Führer. And uh, what was that? Uh, Rouge de Führer. De Führer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then win the war. And then win the war and like, you know, do Nazi stuff. And I love me some Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Love me some Mads. I do too. What do you think about his de-aging? Because they de-aged him it too. It was less bad than Harrison Because he's not nearly as wrinkly. He's not as old. Also, I, I don't know if he's not as old. He's uh, not as wrinkly. He's not American. He's Danish. And I feel like they treat themselves better. Like yeah. they eat better. And like, we're just not doing great as a culture. Yeah. Um, I hate to say that right after the 4th of July, but it's true. <clears throat> you know, we eat too much trash. Um, So, yeah, I thought it was okay. But that's kind of the gist of the movie. And then the, eventually, you know, they stop him. They do mm -hmm. go back in time. His calculations are wrong. And then the whole crux of it is Indiana Jones is on the plane. He's like, he did, Archimedes didn't know about continental drift. He couldn't have, um, which I guess would affect it. But well, I don't know why that would affect. So they fly back into the wrong time, right? They go through a fissure mm -hmm. and it puts them back 200 BC, not a hundred years or not um, 30 years ago. Yeah. Pretty rough miscalculation. Yeah, they go back to the sacking of Syracuse. <laughs> but And I hate to, to harp on this, but as soon as it became a time travel movie, my brain's like, all right, let's find the holes in this. Mm -hmm. um, That's what you do. It's your it, thing. I love it. The calculation of, is wrong, and Indiana Jones says, because of continental drift. By my math, that only changes where you pop out in relation to the land. Why would that change the time you come out? Yeah. I don't understand um, and now as I'm saying this, I remember because the dial doesn't actually move you to a, you can't set the time. It just, it always was going to come back to Archimedes, I think is how they justified mm. that. Right? Sure. I think so. And then they find Archimedes because he has the watch on his wrist or whatever, but it was somebody else's watch. It, it like was Izzy's watch. Mads Mickelson's watch. And then they bring he, it back to him. Yeah. Completing that paradox and like the around and around we go. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Um, I don't remember how we started. I don't know why we revealed this. I think you just went, time travel Nazis. Yeah. Okay. That's the best and only real spoiler. That's true. Um, there's one other plot hole I saw. They go into the cave of Dionysus' ear or whatever. The bridge breaks, right? The kid's mm -hmm. handcuffed to big boy. They fall down. Kid hooks him underwater. The guy presumably drowns. Mm -hmm. Then everyone's been across the bridge, but the bridge is now broken. Mm -hmm. They leave the cave. They go across the bridge. It's been fixed. Mm. I caught that. Really bothered me. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's take a break from this movie for a second. Let's talk OG movies. Thank God. Let's, uh, and that's it. Let's just talk those three. Um, I need your favorite scenes from Indiana Jones as a franchise. It can be like set pieces, action scenes, moments if you want. 
Um, as you can see, I've compiled a list of some of the most popular ones according to what's been written on the internet. I've also included timestamps for when they happen in the movie. Mm. In case okay. you need a point of reference. Johnny, give me one of your favorites. Um, you can pick a, you can say out of any of them or you can go movie by movie, whatever you think. Um, okay, you said that. And the first thing that came to mind was Harrison Ford and Sean Connery tied back to back in a Nazi stronghold while it's on fire yeah, yeah. in in uh, Last Crusade. Sure. Love that. It's a great one. When they get, Dad, what? Yeah, and, and they start spinning around oh. the, the fireplace. Yes. Just some great set, uh, you know, prop, like situational yes. comedy mm -hmm. mixed with action elements. Um, yeah, that you said that it came to mind immediately. It's fantastic. Yep. I think to the point of comedy, there's, there's some jokes in this one. Um, I think the reason... Temple of Doom didn't do as great because it was so dark and not a lot of jokes. Yeah, it's pretty metal. Um, but in the first movie in 1981, you have the the like bringing a sword to a gunfight situation mm -hmm. where one of the bad guys is like doing a whoosh, whoosh, with his little sword and like Indiana Jones pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yeah, classic. Um, in this movie, there's this point where Indiana Jones pulls out a whip. I think it's his whip. He like yep. whips it, get back, and then they all pull out guns to like shoot him. Fifteen people pull out guns. It yeah. was comical, which is a nice callback to the original. I thought there's a few callbacks. There's like a snake callback, but this time oh, there's, there's eels. A few. There's, there's like, like a, yeah. thirty-eight. Was it too many? Is what I was going to get at. It was real close because mm -hmm. it felt like, are we making a good movie or are we just feeding your nostalgia? Yeah, are we microwaving the old stuff? Exactly. Yeah. And it felt very Hungry Man dinner. I love leftovers too, like Chinese food reheated. Great. Felt like a dinner that was made to be microwaved. It wasn't leftovers mm, of something delicious. Well, that's a good distinction. Um, let's see. What else? I mean, any other really standout scenes in the franchise for you? I loved the boat chase scene in Last Crusade. Yeah, when they're going through the canals of in Venice, of, of yeah. Venice, yeah. Oh, the Venice, and they were dealing with the the Knights of Arimathea. Mm -hmm. They were great. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. We have to mention the boulder. Yes. That's how, I mean, that's how this whole, that's how this franchise started. Did you know that that's the only movie that I've ever seen on the big screen? The Indiana Jones movies? I'm sorry. Of. What all, do you mean? I've saw that in movie theaters. You've seen a lot of movies in movie theaters. No, that was the only Indiana Jones movie <laughs> oh, I've seen oh. in the theater. Except for maybe, you know, obviously this skull and, this, and one. this one. So you've seen three out of five in theaters? Yeah. But that came out in 1981. Yeah. So when it came out, I actually saw that at the El Rey back when they reopened or they before they ever closed because they were always in movie theater no dude what oh i see what you're saying yeah I, okay sure i was like you're not alive yet <laughs> sure <laughs> no they they brought it back like yeah. i saw the labyrinth there right. i saw uh raiders of the lost ark there yeah uh fantastic to see that on the big screen yeah it's always nice when when movies come back around and there's a following for them mm -hmm. get a real energy labyrinth was packed I'm sure and everyone sang along it was great um, so the opening boulder chase. Yes. Uh, great. It's iconic. It's, it's super. There's the Disneyland ride about it. There were like McDonald's happy meal toys where you could roll the boulder at the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and terrifying. If you've been on that Disneyland ride, it's scary, especially if you're younger. Never been to Disneyland. I'll take you some time. If you want to go. go, you don't want to go to Disneyland. No interest. Okay. How about Orlando or, uh, Universal Studios? More movie related content. Yeah. I wish they still had the Waterworld show. You're like, you're like 15 years late, man. I know. Yeah. I still wish they had it. <laughs> All right, let's talk favorite scenes in the Dial of Destiny then. Because there must be some standout ones, and maybe they're on the levels of the OG ones. Maybe they're not. Well, we'll you didn't say any of your favorite ones. Yeah, I did. The boulder was one of mine. Um, I think the gun versus sword thing is okay. pretty great. You did. Um, yeah, I said a couple. All right. There's a leap of faith that happens um, in, in The Last Crusade yes. um, with like the invisible bridge. On the way to the Holy Grail. Yeah, which is like a little bit on the nose for my taste. Like yeah. the, the double meaning of like a leap of faith being a leap of faith. Um, and then let's see. I'm, there's I wrote down a few here, but... Um, there's like, I can't remember which movie it's in. Um, so I guess I didn't write it down. 
But at the very end of one of these movies, I think it's the grail, there's like a like a a pullback shot, not dissimilar, if I remember right, to the final shot or one of the final shots of um, Citizen Kane, where like you see a box and then it backs up and there's like all these boxes where like government hides stuff. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Was it the yeah, it was the Grail. I think it's the Grail. Because um, it showed all the other cups, right? No, I don't remember totally right. I just remember reading something about how that was one of the more um, metaphor-rich sort of commentaries on like government secrets and like what like our real world government's mm. hiding. Like you never know, and there's all these warehouses full of like, oh, contraband. And yeah, 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 hidden stuff. I think that that was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Might have been because it was the Ark of the Covenant yeah, that I got think, put okay, in sure. like a warehouse, I believe. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. So lots of iconic scenes yes. in these movies. Um, the face melting of the Nazi. Oh yeah, in in the OG. Great. So Gruesome. Um, so how about Dial of Destiny? Any standout scenes for you? I mean, I like the train scene because at the very beginning, yeah, okay. because there's been a lot of trains that have been pivotal or memorable in Indiana Jones films. He actually got the scar on his chin. On a train. And the whip and the hat yeah, on the train. And that's Last Crusade. Yep. In the very beginning, which starts in a flashback sequence, if you don't know, of him as a kid. It starts with, it starred young Rivers Phoenix. River Phoenix, yeah. Rivers? No, you're right. Rivers Phoenix. Rivers Phoenix? That can't be right. Is that right? Rivers? River. It's got to be River, I always say the wrong one because I always get Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. Right. And then I'm like, that's the only other River name I know. It's uh, it's River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix's brother. Is that how that works? Sure. Couldn't remember. But okay. Yeah. So that's a flashback sequence to young Indiana Jones. This movie starts with a flashback sequence technically to a younger Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Pretty great. Yeah. No, I dug that. It felt... Very fitting. He, it's not prop comedy, but it's that like where you're just interacting with the environment in like a practical way to do uh-huh. combat through a train. Is it funny? Are you saying comedy? You said, no, I'm you said, just like the, the that style of action. It's like physical you, action. You said it's not prop comedy. Did you mean like prop um, combat? Yeah, right. Like that's not the word for it though. Is there a word for that? What happens in these movies involving the train where it's like, you bust into another room and there's you have to figure out what's in the room. It's it's almost like improvisational, scripted improvisational, right. obviously. Just action to cancel out, I think. Yeah, like it it harkens back to like Jackie Chan movies. Yeah. You remember like Rumble in the Bronx where I he's know just what like you mean. Yeah. busting through warehouses and different it's like improv, but it's not there's gotta be a word for it. The character is is usually without a weapon, has yeah. to improvise in their environment to use the environment to their advantage. Typically in a combat situation, I would mm-hmm. argue there's often jokes thrown in there. Yeah. Um, so like in um, in The Last Crusade, the opening uh, with a train flashback, there's like a crocodile scene and there's that's used for a laugh, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, little stuff like that. I know what you're talking, everybody knows what you're talking yeah. about. I don't know if there's a word for it. Me neither. We should come up with a good one. Sure. Um, Im- we can do that off the air probably. Improvisationational. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's Anyways. Right. Yeah. I love the train scene. All that to say that. So, um, I, there's, there's a diving scene. Go ahead. I hated the face, the face. That was the big problem. The, the face. The CGI. The de-aging. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. It's if, not close. The train scene was great, but the faces were so smooth and shiny. It's, you know, I, so I was telling you this too. There, there's an interview that I think Harrison did with, um, Vanity Fair where he's promoting the movie and. He's talking about the the wonder and the amazement of the technology that we have now. He's basically just like, hey, you can't tell. It looks exactly like me. And paired with that article was um, uh, a still from that, and it looks just like him. The problem happens when it starts to move. Mm-hmm. The mouth, we can't get even close. Yeah. 
The eyes and nose are kind of okay. Look like such a deep fake. Complexion is not right at all. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, shiny. so like if you're not great at something, don't brag about it. I know it's new and cool. Um, you yeah, haven't I mean, nailed it yet. No. So just, you know, use it tastefully, like you said. Yeah. Um, but I agree. And the other one that comes to mind for me was the parade scene when Indy got on a horse. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was 1969. I know the moon landing happened in 69. I think it was it was the fall of 69, yeah, because yeah. the moon landing was summer. I think and they didn't was, spend a year up there, so it had to be the same year. Yeah, I think right? the parade was like a fall parade, or it might have been, I don't know. It was in that year, though, for sure. Yeah. And that was the- it was moon day. Yeah, the, the astronauts that went to the moon were on parade where he was at. I think it was supposed to be New York City. Sure. I that was a Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and at one point, it was a bad guy on a motorcycle, Indiana Jones on a horse. Yeah. Through a red, white, and blue ticker tape parade and watching that on 4th of July was just like- Oh, you saw this on the 4th? The most American thing ever. So that that's actually a scene that I had a problem with. Only, not that it wasn't fun, but um, when we're talking about the ideas of this character being handed off, aging gracefully. Okay? <clears throat> like, I don't need him riding a horse. I need him being smart and having survived this long doing this risky career. I want him outsmarting villains, not out-physicaling them. Right. And him, it just didn't work for me. The, the, like, you're not, he's not doing that. That paradigm has to shift. It yeah. has to. And there's moments of that where it works really well in this movie. Like there's moments where he's clever, I'm sure. Um, but most <laughs> of the time, it's like Phoebe Waller-Bridge being clever. Like, I would have loved yeah. if this, the stick of dynamite where she's swindling the bad guys, if that was his idea, I'd be like, oh, that makes total sense. He's not going to beat them. He can't beat them up. Mm -hmm. So he's got to outsmart them. Yeah. And it would have been great to have him against Mads Mikkelsen, a battle of wits, both very smart men. Mm-hmm. Um, the diving scene I really liked. Yes. They have to find what Suddenly was Antonio Banderas? Yeah, weird call. Was he in one of the other movies or something? Was he in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I probably. Probably. Um, yeah, there and gone pretty quick. Mm -hmm. It was pretty sad. Yeah. Um, the diving scene was cool. They were looking for the other half of Archimedes' dial. Sure. Um, and then there's eels, which again, like a joke kind of, but also threatening. Yeah. But cool to go underwater and kind of, you know, you see like there's – I love when there's a little talk of physics. Like I have this method of breathing to avoid the bends and you got to, you know, three minutes and then that puts an internal clock in us. The audience like, okay, three minutes. Like we got – it gives us a sense of like, you know, urgency to, yeah. to get through Impending this. Impending dread. Which is great in a two and a half hour movie. Like pacing was pretty okay here. Didn't suck. Didn't suck. Wasn't great. Felt long at points. Yes. Um, I, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is the way that the movie could have ended which is that Indiana Jones, after getting shot in the shoulder, stays in 200 BC, but doesn't. Would you have, instead, if you haven't seen it, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character punches him in the face, drags him back to the future somehow, mm -hmm. gets him in the plane, I guess, and flies through the fissure. Yep. He wakes up, makes amends with uh, Marion, lives happily ever after, presumably. Which ending did you prefer? If he would have stayed there or if they came back. Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of thinking to myself, that is a very unique and original way to write off a character whose sole focus has been history. I agree. And this should belongs in museum. And like, it's all his life has been studying this era as well as many others. I was a big fan of them wrapping that up like that and him staying in the past. I was kind of hoping they would have done that. And then that would have just been the way that character I know. got put to bed. I know. Um, it kind of so yeah that didn't happen. What who else I should have mentioned earlier when I talked about the the uh, graceful aging or or getting off. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, offing of characters would be like like Daniel Craig's um, James Bond. Yes, goes out with a literal bang. It's just like a huge explosion. 
Um, and this is, I think, the Indiana Jones equivalent of that, had he stayed, but he doesn't, and instead he finds um, purpose in his life again, which I think was a nice bookend to how his character starts. Mm-hmm. So that was why I was okay with it. Yeah, I wasn't mad at it. I just, I the uniqueness of him staying in the past. Yeah. Because time travel hasn't even been on the table right. in any of these movies. Right. But yeah, there's merit to both. I personally would have liked to seen him stay in the past. Yeah, I think we're in the minority. I feel like this is a multi-writer studio call. Where they're like, no, the, the masses will probably want him to come back, find the person he loves, and grow old. Yeah, that's the the red ribbon bow tie yeah. Disney Channel ending. Totally. Which, not surprising in the least. Right. Okay. Um, uh, I am going to say this now for people listening on the radio. You, um, The edit's already happened. You've not heard all of our thoughts about Indiana Jones. We didn't have enough time. We really talked about this movie quite a bit, but we need time for our second beer, which is to say um, you can go listen to that full thing uh, on any podcast platform you'd like, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. In the meantime, Johnny Summers, are you ready for beer number two? Yes, please. Johnny Summers, we got beer number two on the table. It is called Midnight Luau. If you've forgotten, not you, I know you have notes also, but if you, the listener, have forgotten... (laughs) We're drinking beers from Liquid Gravity out of San Luis Obispo right here in California. Yeah. This is a coconut porter. It's 6.8%. I got it at Spike's Bottle Shop. There's nothing on the can to tell you anymore, and there's nothing on the internet to tell you anymore. So when I wrote in our notes, description from can, should have had a question mark, or I should have just not written that. It's a coconut porter. That's it. Um, Which leaves quite a bit to be desired by one's, um, you know, uh, beer reviewing abilities, but what can you do? I will tell you that the can um, is fine. You know, it says Midnight Luau in a scripty type font. There's a bright, luminescent, almost complete circle. Um, like a neon circle Yeah, almost. there you go. And there's a cracked coconut in the foreground. And behind that is a bunch of uh, palm fronds. That's not what that is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, right? You know what that reminds me of is when people do time-lapse photography and they'll like draw with like a light. You ever seen those? I have seen that. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Like somebody did like a time lapse and they had a like a glow stick and they just made a big circle. What's your uh I don't know if it matters to you but the phrase you're looking for is a long exposure rather oh, okay. than a time lapse. No, a time I, lapse I would you almost use... not see anything. A long exposure keeps the camera open so the the, the brightest yes. points stay there. That's cool. cool. I like um, to not a time sound. lapse of that would be you it'd be nothing. You wouldn't see anything. You would just see a guy go Pew! This is I just did a time lapse of it. That's what you would have seen. Yep. Nothing. I like to sound reasonably intelligent. So. Have we killed enough time? You're welcome. Have Long we killed exposure. enough time? Um, nope, we haven't. You poured. Um, you said get the carbonation. Just, out. I know, but there's like. <laughs> and it doesn't help that I'm drinking out of a pear shaped glass today where the bottom is huge and there's there's at least one and a half times as much foam on mine as there is beer. And I can't get to the beer because of the shape of the glass. You're dipping your finger in it for some reason. I thought there was uh, a floaty, but it was just a bubble. Okay. Uh, wow, one bubble must be nice. Let's talk about because I can't drink mine yet. Smell so it. let's. I will, but I want to talk about the color of it first because it is not. And I, by that I mean the head, not nearly as dark brown, caramelly, coffee colored as porterheads usually are. Am I chipping out? You are. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> it's uh, fine. <laughs> no, I mean we don't usually don't have that much head on a stout or a porter. Maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, I will for, say yeah, it's for the hard pour. It's holding it really well. Like that's not really going anywhere. No, it's frothy. Um, so it made you a foamy latte. Potentially a pretty viscous beer. Um, potentially fairly carbonated. I wouldn't say super actively, but I bet you there's a good amount of um, good amount of uh, you know sudsiness there. Johnny has made a face where he, it's. I think it's enjoyment. That's delicious. Cool. He did. I don't know how to best describe this. He he leaned away from the mic with his head preferring or or favoring one side. Kicked it back. Closed both of his eyes in ecstasy. And went, 
and like almost almost like bit his lip, like oh, like like darn ooh. tootin', that's a tasty beer. Hachi machi, that's a good beer. Um, oof, okay, so yeah, you're getting. It has these amazing. Did you say hachi machi? Hachi machi. All right, I like it. Go. Yeah. You've got these great notes of like hazelnut sweetness. It almost has a Nutella nose, which gives me pure hope that this is going to be on the sweeter side, not, which I want. Not old Nutella. 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 You say Nutella. I don't think you say that. I've heard you say it before and you don't say it like that. Nutella? No. What do I say? What's in it? It's nuts. It's not Nutella. Yes, of course it's, it's Nutella. Nutella. It's Nutella. 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 I'm getting semantic satiation where I'm losing a bit. Yep. Nut- Nutella. It's Nutella. It's not Nutella. It's all I've always said Nutella. No, you haven't. I stand I've by got, that. I have. I could find them if I was bored enough this week. You, uh, you say Nutella. Everybody and their mother says Nutella. I think it's made of nuts. It, it should be Nutella. Why? It is just, there an older version? They've remade it. This well, is Nutella. It didn't always exist. This is absurd. I guess we're saying the same thing. Nutella. Nutella. It's Nutella. Nutella. Yeah. All right. We got to stop saying it. Either way, <laughs> it smells like that hazelnut cream spread. Nice. Hazelnut. Yeah. Hazelnut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And man, the taste delivers. Ah, okay. It's so smooth and velvety. It's not as thick as I would want, but it's a porter, so you can't hold that against it. It is what it is. You can't judge mm-hmm. it because it, it is a porter. You just wish it was a stout. It's not a key, key to a healthy how, relationship. How Wishing what yeah, you're drinking was something else. How strong does it taste to you? What's the ABV taste like? I would have guessed six. I would have guessed 5.2. Six, six, five, maybe. This is um, extremely thin. It's uh-huh. very sweet to the point that the roastiness is being overshadowed. Um, it's relatively flat, but that could be because all of my carbonation has gone now. Yep. Um, I don't like it um, much. If I like it a little. I don't so like it a lot. It really immediately calls to mind Death by Coconut. From Oscar, Oscar Blues. Blues. Loved that beer until I had a five-gallon keg of it. Now I hate Oh, I forgot that you had that beer. time in your life. Drank too much of it. Now if I taste uh, it or I smell Banana Boat sunscreen, yeah, uh, I get a little bit queasy in the tum-tum because, man, I, I got to the point where I was just trying to get rid of it because I didn't want to waste it uh-huh. because I thought that that mattered for some reason. Yep. So I'd get home from work. Like this type of weather, I would just drink it's, up. It's 88, 90 degrees today. Yeah, by the way. I would just drink a pint of Death by Coconut. Yeah, you. but you just said this reminds you of that. Yeah, in a good way. This remind me reminds me of what I liked about that beer initially. Okay. Uh, and it has kind of all the things that spurned my love in a good way. It, okay. It, it doesn't have them, I should say. Right. That makes it doesn't sense. have that artificial coconut banana boat sunscreen flavor. No. There's there's a genuineness in the flavor of coconut that tastes like coconut meat. Mm-hmm. If you've ever actually just eaten sure. like raw coconut uh, or shredded coconut even, it's got that kind of note. Mm-hmm. I like that because it adds kind of a nutty, hearty, almost savory element to this, Yep, which mixes with that sweetness, almost gives it like a coconut milk vibe. Okay. And then there's the chocolatey roasty elements that you're getting from the actual porter. It blends together really well. Like if they made chocolate coconut milk, which I think they probably do. Um I can't think of any, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like Vita Coco, I think might have a chocolate flavor. I feel like it'd be it'd be close to this. It's it's got yeah. some different elements combining into something that I find quite pleasant. I like the sweetness uh, I like the fact that it is not too artificial. I like 
the texture and the body, it's really in that brown ale porter mm-hmm. territory, mm-hmm. but it's it's par for the course. It's not uh, not unexpected. Okay, wait, give me an out of 10 on this thing uh, as your final answer for this. 7-1. 7.1 after a very pregnant pause as yeah. you tasted it. Um, Definitely don't mind this beer, man. It's solid. On Rate Beer, the top-rated coconut porter is a collaboration. Or, well, I'm just going to keep it simple. It's from Maui, um, and it's their- Coconut porter. It's their Kona Coffee Macadamia coconut porter. Oh, that one's good, too. And it's bourbon barrel-aged, so yep. that seems kind of niche. Yeah. The second one is their standard Coffee Macadamia coconut porter. Um, then third is the Imperial Coconut Porter from Maui again. Um there's a few on here. There's there's the I mean Maui really has cornered the market on this sort of thing. They have canned that and made it available mm-hmm. really everywhere and it's it's a solid beer. Caldera out of Ashland's got one. Um mm-hmm. up at 19 and that's the uh toasted coconut chocolate porter mm-hmm. which um is you know probably very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um there's a bunch of these but we haven't done a ton on the show so I won't bore people with the list here. Um I don't like it. Yeah. I think it's underwhelming. I agree with you. There's not a lot of artificiality, which is nice, but I don't mind that sweetness. Um, I did not make myself sick on a keg of it. So I, you know, <laughs> um, I'd be fine with that. I think it's, it's falls flat. Literally. Um, the flavors aren't there. There's some roastiness. It's you want some no, more? I don't want any more. Thank you for offering. Try a different pour. Um, no, it's just, it's fine. It's not even fine. It's bad for me. I don't enjoy it. Um, and I'm bummed to say that, but it is how I feel. I'm going to finish the ounce and a half I have in my glass just to make sure, but uh, very, very underwhelmed, dare I say, unimpressed. Fair enough. Max Bernardi, out of 10, what are you feeling? I don't know, like a three. Okay. It's a three. It's Bad fine. beer for you. Yeah, it's, I don't care about it so much. Um, and I don't mean to sound flippant or rude in case anybody who spent time making this beer is listening. Um, I do like a lot of liquid gravity beers, and this just doesn't happen to be one of them. Stick to the hoppy stuff. We kind of breezed through that review. Do you have any more thoughts of this thing? I was pretty in-depth. I think you did the breezing. So. I guess, I mean, in terms of time, we haven't been <laughs> chatting long enough, I guess. Who cares? All right, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Just a quick recap. Both of our beers this week come from Liquid Gravity out of Slow uh, and are currently available at Spike's Bottle Shop right here in Chico. Um, of course, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is screening in wide release. If you have feedback on anything we've discussed, you can call or text us 530-433-0839. One more time, that number, 530-433-0839. Or feel free to send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Next week, we're off the air so Johnny can celebrate his birthday. But the week after that, we'll be back and reviewing Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which opens in wide release Friday, June 14th. July. Go see it. That's what I meant. Go see it if you want to know all the juicy details we'll be discussing. That same week on the show, we're going to be doing beers from Temblor Brewing, and they're available at Spikes. Reach out to us for more details or if you'd like to drink along. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable Hot and Bothered segment, although if you asked Max, I might be somewhat predictable today. Uh, Or if you want to go digging through six-plus years' worth of episodes dating back to 2016, just go ahead over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. To our radio listeners, we'll be back, of course, every Saturday, 4 p.m. So until then, consume some films and beers that broaden your horizons. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Hey, it's Hot and Bothered time. 
I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling bothered. Are Ooh. you? I'm actually not. I'm feeling relatively temperate and not bothered at all. So pretty nonplussed. Yeah. Um, John, I got a couple things. You've got a couple things. We do. Um, let's. I do. Why don't we start with real life and with streaming? How's that sound? Deal. Okay. After you, my friend. Um. You know, we just got off Fourth of July weekend. That was fun. I took Friday off from uh, the brew fest that I mentioned last week, mm-hmm. so I had a floating day off. So mm-hmm. I took took the Friday and went down and pre-gamed our Bill Burr experience at Slice Brewing. Had some good beers there. I meant to bring you one, but I didn't go home first. But I'm saving Shoot. you one All right. of their their newest release. They did it was their original Juice Batch Two. Okay, uh, fantastic beer. Love getting down there. And then went to see young Bill Burr. Is he young? No. No. You can't just call anybody that. He's old. <laughs> he's old. Old man Bill Burr. Yeah. And he, dude, I laughed so hard. We had such a blast. It was me, Shalina, Jason, Kelsey, Andy, and Lori. Shoutouts. Great. Yeah, we all went together. Um, didn't show up together. Met up in the casino mm-hmm. and then all, all went in together. It was a casino show. Yeah. It was at the venue at Roll, uh, Thunder Valley mm-hmm. in Lincoln. It was the first stand-up comedy show I've been to that used uh, the we know cell phones allowed technology. Wow, what do you mean? Yeah, you got your phone taken from you and put in a locked wow bag, mm-hmm. and then given back to you. And then you had to find someone with the tool to unlock it after the show. Don't love that, but okay. It was different. It was nice. It felt like the crowd was a lot less distracted. Sure, there was no filming going on. There yeah, was yeah. no phones ringing like it yep. just it just made a lot of sense uh and it was kind of nice to be away from it and mm-hmm. not have access to it it was odd because i couldn't tell what time it was You're right i was like man i guess this is why people used to wear mm-hmm. watches right way back mm-hmm. in the day man literally right uh, watch. <laughs> but it was a blast i laughed super hard um had a great time with some good friends had some good beers great. audience was good there was no Wild drunk people ruining the show for everyone. Nice. So, I mean, just overall, just a good experience. I love that. So, I right, had great. a blast with that. And then the rest of the weekend was spent just hammering out Diablo. And I know I told you I wouldn't talk about it again until we finished it. I don't know if you told me. Oh, you did say that. Yes. I just was going to say I asked you not to talk about it anymore. But that's a different thing. That too. Keep going. I disregarded that pretty quickly. Sure. Um, finished it. It's done. I have some problems with the game. Overall, I really liked it. There's some technical things that I won't bore you with. I appreciate it. Uh, as far as <laughs> gameplay goes that we're lacking, um, excited to see what they do with updates and stuff. Man, it was a blast. Nice, Had a great man. time. Bonded with the wife. Played so much. I, I checked yesterday. We had put we have put 76 hours in. That's a good amount of hours, man. It's a good time. Yeah. But hours of fun and giggling and laughing. And mm-hmm. uh, I am a firm believer that anyone in a committed relationship of any sort should be forced to play like an action RPG adventure game with their chosen partner. Even if neither one plays those kinds of games? Yeah. Because that's even better. Because if you don't, not only are you embarking on a challenging game in mm-hmm. itself, you're embarking on the challenge of figuring out sure. a challenging game. Sure. It makes you employ so much teamwork and communication. Mm-hmm. I think it just brings you a lot closer to someone. Okay. It could obviously two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. could go the opposite. The classic two-edged sword. Yeah, the double-edged sword. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know Is that what they call it in Diablo? The old two-edge? <laughs> two-edge. Old two-edge. Uh, yeah. The ancient two-edge of bleeding. Right. No. I think it would be smart, though. I think a lot of couples would That's find how it. I feel about like going on. I think every couple should go on a difficult hike with each other. I've done that in the game. It doesn't quite count, but I like where your head's at. I think it counts. Okay. Well, do you live your best life. Yeah. 
anyways, that's that's what I've been up to. Had Fourth of July yesterday off. Didn't do a whole lot. Had some beers down at Burgers and Brew with cool. some friends. Um, back to work. It was a really odd floating Tuesday off. Love it. Felt like nothing and everything. But I love that. Okay, great. What have you been up to? Uh, a couple new things came out in streaming on Netflix the past couple weeks. One is Black Mirror Season 4. The other is The Witcher Season 3, speaking of video games, I suppose. Um, and I haven't finished either of them, so I just wanted to kind of let people know they're out there because The Witcher kind of skated under my radar, even as someone who has watched them. So Netflix should know that that should come up on my queue. Right. And it didn't. Um, and I've only watched, I think, two episodes of The Witcher Season 3. It's got a higher budget, and um, I made the mistake of watching it during the daytime which is tough because it's a very dark show visually. Hard to see details when the sun is out. I think that's a problem with the filmmaking. Um, so that's been a bummer. Um, each episode's been about an hour long. I think some of them were shorter in the earlier seasons, so it's nice to see them developing the story a little bit more. Yeah, a nice full hour. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, Has it held up first couple episodes? I think so, yeah. I, I, think, I think they leaned into the violence a little bit too much in the first episode. Um, when I would have appreciated more story catch up and more um, time with the characters, but they did, they're doing the thing now where, like, if a person cuts another person's neck or something and they swing their sword in a wide horizontal arc, the blood will kind of come off and, like, shoot with the sword's motion. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, a very yeah. visual, like, big globs of it. Yeah. So it's fine. Um, and then Black Mirror, um, I think everybody's familiar. It's a it's a show sort of about technology in the future and and the impact it could have on us if we keep going the way we're going. A lot of big meta ideas and social commentary in that show. Season four has started delving into the supernatural Ooh. in a way that I don't think is great. Um, I think there's not a ton of great ideas there, and the ones that are um, are more of like single lines. And someone's like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if this?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's make an entire hour show about it." Um, and I've seen three of those episodes, three of, and, and one of them was technology, two were supernatural. I'm going to watch all of them. I've heard some good things about some, but it's so far the least consistent Black Mirror season I've ever seen. Okay. So that's where I'm at on the shows. Yeah. I feel like every season of Black Mirror, there's always like one or two standout episodes that are just like memorable yes. and like very discussed. Great ones. Yeah. yeah. There's always like the great ones. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Hang the DJ. Hang the DJ is very good. And then the San Junipero. You're also highlighting the only happy ones, which is nice. Those are the only two anyone's ever told me to watch. They are the only happy episodes. Yeah? Yeah, the other ones are pretty bleak. I like bleak, though. I, people people that recommend those don't know me. Uh, no, I still think you'd like those a lot. No, I did they're like them. really well made. Yeah. yeah. yeah San Junipero. They have happy endings. Tremendous. Yeah. Well, uh, recommend some dark ones that you think I'd like. Uh, you should watch, um, you should watch White Christmas. It's okay. a great one. You could watch, um, I think it's a, is it might be 10 million merits. That's got Daniel Kaluuya in his first sort of major breakout is role. Is that the one with the bicycles? Mm -hmm. That one was good. Yep. Pretty dark. Um, most of them are dark. There's yeah. one with Domino Gleason um, called, oh man, I can't think of what it's called. Um, but he, there's a woman who is, uh, is widowed. Her husband dies and then orders a an Android version of her husband. Ooh. I don't mean like a cell phone. I mean like a, you know, yeah. an Android. Uh, there's a better word for this, but I can't think of it. So, and it's Domino Gleason. That's was her husband. And then. Did you say Dognald? I don't think so. Domino. Domnald? Domino Gleason. Domino. I thought his name was Donald. Nope. Uh, Donald Gleason is somebody, but it's not the somebody I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, anyways, it deals with like grief and um, how people can move forward after losing a loved one. Very, very dark stuff. Mm. Um, so anyways, check those out if I you like want. that. Got anything else? I think we're there, man. 
this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Everybody on Patreon, check out the handlebar for a sick happy hour. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. We'll see you all next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.